Support for this WXAV podcast is being provided by Bookies, new and used books. Located at 10324 Southwestern Avenue in Chicago, Bookies specializes in new and used books. Their selection includes new releases, bestsellers, and books that are out of print. For more information, please visit their website at bookieschicago.com. You can also find them on Facebook by searching Bookies Chicago or call them at 773-239-1110. This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best podcasts to you. Hi, this is Peter Creighton from WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. Have you ever wondered what an inanimate object thinks? What it feels? Well, that's the subject of one of the best and most original podcasts available today. Everything is Alive. On Everything is Alive, host Ian Chalag sits down with a can of cola, a lamppost, a pillow, a mousetrap, and a subway seat to find out what's on their mind. What follows is an insightful, philosophical, fun, and highly entertaining series that leaves you glued to your seat anxiously awaiting for the next episode to download. I recently was able to speak with Ian about his new series. In our conversation that follows, we discuss how he came up with the idea for Everything is Alive, what surprises he's encountered thus far while producing the series, and what else we can expect from Season 1 of Everything is Alive. Here now, my conversation with Ian Shalog. Can we just start? Can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea for Everything's Alive? Yeah. Um, one, I think it's just, you know, it's kind of a way that I think, you know, I, um, and then I think a lot of people are this way, uh, where you just um, imagine the things around you, what their personalities might be like. And, um, you know, I find myself kind of joking around and having these thoughts, wondering, like, what, what my chair felt about its job of being sat on all day. And then also I've been a producer for a long time uh, for, for NPR and, you know, producing host interviews and you'll, you know, someone will, you'll, you'll need to book an expert to talk about um, sand dunes or something. And you always try and find the, the most primary source you can Um and I just thought, you know, it would be a really fun experiment rather than finding the Ph.D. sand dune expert. What if you could talk to the sand dune itself? How, how interesting might that be? And so started playing around with that idea and um, kind of went from there. And it is an absolutely interesting idea. And that gave birth to Everything's Alive, uh, a show where you interview inanimate objects. And um, the way I first heard about it was I listened to 99% Invisible, and you were featured on it with Roman Mars. Yeah. And during the, the conversation you and Roman had at the end of the, the episode, you mentioned that majority of your shows aren't scripted. You'll pretty much discuss an idea with the actor or the actress uh, beforehand who's playing the inanimate object. But I'm just kind of curious, do you kind of prefer not knowing what that individual is going to say, or do you kind of like direct them a little bit saying, Oh, let's hit this point. Let's hit that point. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I definitely prefer it being, um, being unscripted and, and, you know, the surprises that you find when you do it that way. Um, it's, it's good for a couple reasons. One, I'm just not a very good actor. So I, I really do like to go in and have it. I, 
for me, it really feels like an interview. You know, we get in that space where I feel like I'm, I'm talking to, you know, a mousetrap or a subway seat. And I, I, I treat them exactly like I would treat a human that I was interviewing. Sometimes they, there's been episodes where I've had ideas about what I thought the arc of the story would be. Um, and then it went a completely different way. Our second episode, uh, which is with a lamppost named Maeve, um, I had in the back of my mind that the kind of interesting story there would be, what if this lamppost was obsessed with the lost dog posters that got attached to her? Uh, what if she was constantly worried about those dogs, um, you know, that the signs were, were taped to her? Um, and I thought that might be sort of her, her central character note. But the conversation didn't go that way. It, it, it went in a, a kind of other interesting place. And, um, you know, you just try and follow, follow that, what happens naturally, and um, both do the interview and edit accordingly. And and that's really interesting because uh, I actually just re-listened to uh, Maeve the Lamppost this morning, and uh, Maeve definitely is kind of a little starstruck. She she has Hollywood <laughs> in, in her eyes in that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of curious because um, ultimately the show is you know anthropomorphizing objects and talking with that, and you know I actually know some people that that kind of do that. So I'm kind of curious, have you been contacted at all by people who um, anthropomorphize objects and, you know, what have their reactions been like to the show at all? Yeah, that's that's been really uh, wonderful. We've we've heard from tons of people who say, oh, my God, I do this. You know, I worry about when I shut my laptop at night, if it feels lonely while I'm asleep. And, <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I think it's something we, a lot of people do. And, um, you know, we've had people say, I wish that I had, I had done something like this because it's, it's a way that I think. Um, and that's been really fun. Also, it's, it's been fun. I think it's made, we've heard from people who, because of the show are thinking differently about the things in their life. You know, they're imagining, we've heard from people who, you know, say that they're looking longer at a lamppost or at a um, can of cola, you know, and they're thinking about what if it did have a life. And so, you know, there's this weird starting to have empathy with, with objects or, or at least considering them more, which, Mm. which wasn't exact, you know, that wasn't our goal or anything, but it's, uh, I think it's a nice, um, it's a nice secondary effect. Yeah, it really is, and I think that ties into something else, and that's the variety of emotions that you get from your series. It's incredible. Like when I first heard Lewis the Canicola, man, it was like a a deep philosophical conversation I was listening to, and I forgot that it's an actor playing a can of cola. You just got so pulled into the conversation and the emotion of loneliness or not being picked and, and, and all these different layers in that. And even with Maeve, the lamppost, who is just so charming and, and childlike, um, was it ever your intention to get this emotional with, with your, your topics and everything? Or did you think this would just be kind of almost like a, um, a very simple story told? Yeah, I think we, um, I, I always wanted it to do 
more than I wanted it to go beyond sort of the gimmick or the or the joke that things can talk. Um, and it, it's been very important to me that it, um, you know, it's not it's not a comedy show. And um, like I love that it's funny when it's funny, but it doesn't. Our our goal is more that the characters that we're creating feel real. Like if we if we do that. Um, that that's when I feel like we're you know we figured it out. So, you know, I I was Lewis. I was I was surprised by you know I felt that too. And do, doing the interview, sitting there doing the interview, it was emotional for me too. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised by what happened, and um, I really felt for him. And yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, and then there's that second effect, which I think like our listeners have too, which is like, I'm feeling this thing. And then you have this other layer of thought, which is like, why am I feeling this thing? <laughs> it's a can of cola. Yeah. But, you know. yeah. Yeah. But even like the, the production element that you employ then on the show, like when you drink Lewis, I mean, it's a really like emotional like moment. And I, I, I remember sitting in, in my office going, man, I don't even know if I should be listening to this right now because it's almost this like... <laughs> very private moment that's that's happening here and it's i think it's a testament to how talented and how great you are at at being a storyteller in that and the use of sound effects and the use of music and the overall presentation of your show Uh, i'm curious if you can kind of just discuss a little bit about what your approach is to music and and sound effects because you don't use it a lot but when you do i mean wow they they are impactful yeah, thank thank you. Um, I I uh, yeah, I like things to be pretty spare, and you know this show especially. I think the silence does a lot of work um, in in making it feel real and in in um, sort of illustrating where the moments are. Um, I'm always very hesitant to use music, um, but and it, and I'm also figuring out how to do it too. I think. Um, you know, there we tend to I tend to use it when the things are sort of I guess when our our objects are are sort of having dreams or imagining things. I think it's easier rather than sort of telling us about an experience they've had when they're talking about a dream they have. I find that music helps get us into the state where we need to be. Yeah, I, I, I again I. I don't really know what I'm doing with that yet, but we're, but we're figuring it out bit by bit. Our, our executive producer said to me, Julie Shapiro at Radiotopia, she said, you know, it's so much easier. Put in, play with all the music you can think you possibly want um, and then pull back because you can always take some out. And I think that's a good note. Like you can make something feel sort of over florid and over illustrated and, um, maudlin um and then just pull back till it feels right Mm -hmm. i think that's that's a that's been a good tip for me it's almost that like less is more kind of uh philosophy if you will definitely i i really believe that yeah yeah so i i gotta ask um especially since uh mave the lamppost is so fresh in my mind has anyone ever contacted you yet you yet about the missing lamppost from singing in the rain (laughs) 
We haven't heard anything yet, sadly. We've heard from people who say they're gonna they're gonna look, but nobody's nobody's made any headway. Uh, I so hope that you guys are able to solve that mystery and everything. It'd uh, just be so fun. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. Um, has anything surprised you thus far with uh, with working on Everything's Alive? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, my my wife, who is um, she's been a real collaborator in developing the show the the first time we sat down and listened to lewis in a very early state you know it was 35 minutes long and really loose and messy i think in the first few minutes we were both just very struck that it worked like yeah <laughs> it was striking just you know and it wasn't even good but what I mean when it worked is that it was like, we both were like, yeah, for not for a second. Have we, have we doubted that we're listening to a can talking? And, and so the, the, the thing that happens where you believe what you're listening to, um, that it's been a surprise that that, that, that works. And, you know, a number of things along the way, it's, um, it's been, uh, the the response has been amazing. I I was really surprised. I thought you know I thought some people would like it, but it's been it's been overwhelming. Um, and yeah, I guess I it it seems like a it seems like a sort of weird niche idea. Um, and I th- I guess it is, but um, the the number of people that have have responded to it that's been a really great surprise. That's wonderful. Do you have any advice for any aspiring storytellers out there? Um, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think um, one would be just do it, you know, just try it out. And I think if you're thinking like I have an idea for a podcast and you're imagining a podcast that's 10 or 20 episodes or, or you know, infinite episodes, um, just go make it because that'll that'll – one, it's good to learn how to do that. You're going to get better every time you do it. But also you're going to learn um, how hard your idea is to make because <laughs> it can be really hard. And um, you, can learn, uh, if, you can learn if your idea has flaws um, and if they're worth fixing or if you want to try and find another idea. This, you know, this show, I initially started out making not just inanimate objects, but inanimate objects and plants and animals, basically like the things in our lives that don't speak. And I was initially much more attracted to the inanimate object idea, but thought that I would try the other things just because it would give us a a wider range of episodes. Um, But while those were kind of fun to make during the piloting process, they were also, they didn't work. They didn't work because, um, you, I think we, we naturally, like, we naturally give birds and dogs and, uh, and even plants, we give them personalities and names already. And so you're kind of working against something that already exists in somebody's mind, rather than this place where, you know, people haven't thought to give it a personality before. So there's just like, you know, there's a steeper hill to climb to make it believable. So yeah, I, I just uh, all that is a way to say, try out your idea and try it a few times, um, and and that'll help you refine and 
and make the thing you want to make. So I, uh, I oversee a college radio station here in Chicago. So I just kind of have a, a, a fun college radio question. Just in your opinion, um, what do you see as college radio's impact on the larger radio world, but also on the world of podcasting? Um, well, I, I, uh, I love college radio. I mean, I had a college radio show uh, as a place for experimentation. I actually, I, I was driving uh, upstate, um, upstate New York, and caught. This was I don't know a year ago, and we caught barred college radio uh, on on the radio in my car, and it was this just wonderfully weird show. Um, this. That I, I don't know who it was, but this this woman was this incredible sort of like beautifully produced report about um, about music all over the world, and she was making these choices that were totally weird and great, and the kind of thing that probably if you had trained for five years at All Things Considered or this American life, you probably wouldn't make because they would have been trained out of you. But, but, you know, clearly she was an environment in an environment where she could just take her ideas, which were unique and singular and go and, and make them. And I think about that show and, and I think about um, the things I've heard where people just have a totally new idea that isn't, um, isn't sort of ruined by experience. <laughs> and, and, you know, I really admire that. And I try to, you know, I try to do that with what I'm making is just, you know, what's, what's just the thing I want to do rather than the things that I've, 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 um, people have told me I should do. And I think that, you know, college radio, because it's the first experience people have with making things like this in many cases, um, you hear a lot of that stuff and it's, I I don't know. I find it very inspiring. Awesome. So, uh, I have one final question for you and thank you so much for, for joining me today. What can we expect for the rest of season one from, uh, everything is alive? Well, uh, right now I'm, I'm hustling to get next week's episode on and that's going to be with, um, a pillow named Dennis. Uh, I'm, pretty excited about it it's pretty weird after that we've got coming up a mousetrap a bar of soap a subway seat um probably a a mailbox and yeah i think you know i think we're gonna keep keep trying to to make it different and and make sure that all of these characters are are distinct individuals and um yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see what happens, too, because I'm, I'm not really sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as a fan, I'm excited to, to find out what happens. Um, Anchalog, thank you so much for joining me here today to discuss um, your new podcast, Everything is Alive. Um, if you could, real quick, just share your website so everyone can go and check you out. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's everythingisalive.com, um, and there's plenty of places you can find there to subscribe and uh, in whatever podcasting thing you use um so yeah listen and and definitely let us know what you think 
Awesome. Everythingisalive.com. Ian Chalog, thank you so much for joining me here today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And that was my interview with Ian Chalog from Everything is Alive. For more information on Everything is Alive, please visit their website, everythingisalive.com. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. I'm Peter Creighton, and thanks for listening. Thank you very much for listening to this WXAV 88.3 FM podcast. Be sure to visit our website, wxav.com, for more information on your escape from Ordinary Radio.